The Bible has much to say about a number of topics. Um, that's why we've been in this series we've been called Rethink Everything. If you want to grab your message notes or certainly a pad of paper and something to write with, you might want to record some of this stuff because there's some good information here that has been helpful to me and I pray it'll be helpful to you as well. Rethink Everything was a series we started a number of weeks ago, um, basically where, where Jesus came down to teach us a new way of thinking uh, from a kingdom perspective. You have heard it said what everyone in society is doing things this way, but what if rethink things a new way? What if we changed our perspective on things? And, and we've uh, been running through the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' teaching from Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, read it for yourself. It takes about 22 minutes if you read one of the greatest sermons ever preached. It's so much in it. That's why I've been spending a lot of time uh, going through this, where, again, you've heard it said, but I tell you this, we're rethinking everything um, from a kingdom perspective based on the Sermon on the Mount. And today I want to talk about rethinking money. Rethinking money. I want to take a fresh look at this today because many people are often surprised to find that the Bible has so much to say about the subject of money. Did you know that 16 of Jesus's 38 parables are about the subject of money? How to handle possessions, how to handle uh, money. In fact, Jesus said more about money than nearly any other subject together, more than heaven or hell. There's about 500 verses in the Bible on prayer, a little less than 500 verses in the Bible about faith, but the Bible offers over 2,300 verses about money and about possessions. The Lord said a lot about money because he wants us to understand his perspective on this critical issue of life. He talked about money matters because let's be honest, money matters. That's why we need to really rethink how we approach the subject. And we all find ourselves at times thinking, if I just had a little bit more, right? This, this a little bit more money, then I would be happy. But we found that increases in, in, in income don't make people happy. This monetary treasure, right? This stack of money we could find in front of us. It can help you or it can hurt you. It can serve or it can enslave. It, can, it always motivates you, but it doesn't always satisfy. It attracts us, it lures us, but it doesn't always last. So how should we rethink money, right? Billy Graham said, and, and I love this quote, if a person gets their attitude toward money straightened out, then almost every other area of their life will soon be straightened out as well. But we want money, right? If I could just have a little bit more money, then I'd be happy. But it's not true. We, we keep getting fooled. How much money will it take for you to be happy? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And on and on it goes. And some of you may be thinking, well, okay, pastor, but this doesn't even apply to me because I'm, I don't have that problem. I'm not materialistic at all. Well, good. We'll see. Uh, but I found this to be helpful, and I think you will also. This three-point challenge that Jesus uh, challenges with to help us determine our real relationship between money. And again, the question is, the challenge is to see, are we controlling our money, or is our money controlling us? So you, you ready? We're going to go through this three-point challenge together. Uh, stay with me. Uh, but before we get started, I want to have a little bit of a disclaimer here. I need to hear this too. We all need to hear this. Materialism or, or, or money issues is not something that's a problem just for the rich in a, in a booming economy, 
right? Most of us have lost something during this ongoing pandemic. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe your business has slowed down or, or stopped. But don't think that doesn't make you vulnerable to materialism. Both rich and poor people alike struggle with money problems, with, with materialism. In fact, studies show that the average credit card holder in America is $6,200 in debt. We have a problem in our society with money management. Now, the message is not for you to then take and use it as an as a ammunition to judge somebody else, right? These teachings are, are meant by Jesus to be used as us, as a resource to examine our own approach to money, to see how we really feel about money and possessions. You ready? Let's, uh, let's take this three-point challenge given to us by Jesus. First off, Jesus says this. Jesus says, we need to rethink where I store, where I store my money. Where am I storing my, my treasures? Where do I keep them? Where's my, where's my safe deposit box? Jesus says in Matthew, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So what's he saying here, right? What's this all about? Do we need to take a, a vow of poverty, right? Because money's somehow evil? No, the Bible never says that. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Jesus is saying here that, that don't store up treasures for yourself on earth. Why not? Is it because they're bad, because they're evil? It's sinful somehow? No. Jesus said don't store up for yourself treasures on earth for one simple reason, they won't last. Not that they, they might not last, but they definitely will not last. Either you lose everything or, or you die and then you still lose everything. But either way, it only lasts for a couple of years. Moth and rust, water decay, accidents, loss, pets, kids, right? They're eventually neglect, misuse, all the things will contribute to our treasures one day just being destroyed or, or taken away from us. All these things that we hold on to so tightly, these earthly treasures do not last. They, they turn to dust in our hands and they disappear. And God says, listen, I have a heavenly treasure waiting for you as my child. The treasures you keep here, they're gonna disappear. They're gonna decay. They're, remember that thing you had? Oh, it's a treasure and you liked it. It was so nice and perfect. And suddenly it got chipped or it got dusty and it got dirty and it got lost and it got damaged. And it's not a treasure anymore. But the Lord has promised that there is a treasure. In fact, he says, he tells us in, in 1 Peter 1.4, he says, you have an inheritance. You and I have an inheritance. My parents weren't rich. I don't have a big inheritance coming from my family. But from my heavenly father, I have a tremendous inheritance. And so do you as his children. We have an inheritance that can never perish can never spoil, never fade. It is kept in heaven for all of us. You see the wonderful difference here? And because this is true, why do we keep pursuing earthly treasures? They're gonna disappear. We have an inheritance that will never disappear, never perish, never spoil. So why do we keep trying to accumulate things here and make more money all the time? It's this it's this treasure trap. It's like this lure that, that, that pulls us in. 
What's the lure of the treasure trap? Well, why do we keep, what do we think money's gonna get for us? What do you think it's gonna accomplish money? Then I would be what? And I think there's typically three things that we hope, that we believe that money will offer us. And it's, a, it's always a trap. The first and most obvious is this. We believe that money will give us a sense of security. A sense of security. But like Jesus said, your things can be stolen. They can be destroyed. It can lose its value in the stock market and, and, or it can collapse in bankruptcy. The things that you have, you held on to, they can all be gone in an instant. I recently read a story in the New York Times about a, a retired couple who had lost their entire life savings in a stock market purchase. And the husband said this quote. He said, my whole life was wrapped up in that money. Let me repeat that. He says, my whole life was wrapped around that money. I thought I'd be able to pay my bills for the next 10 years. Security, it all can be lost so very quickly. Someone said, if you notice in the back of every dollar, there's, a, <laughs> there's a, an eagle with wings. It's kind of a sobering reminder that our money one day can just fly away. What are you basing your future on? I have enough money, everything's gonna be okay. I'm be, my future's secure, I have money in the bank. Are you sure? Is that where you're basing your security? Are you trusting in money? Or are you trusting in God alone for security? And secondly, we tend to focus on money to give us satisfaction, right? We want satisfaction. We think it's gonna satisfy us because we can then buy all the stuff that's gonna make us happy. See all the stuff I have, now I'm happy. No, we're not. Things don't satisfy. Well, sure, they satisfy for maybe a half an hour or half a day or a few miles down the road in that brand new car, but the satisfaction goes away so quickly. It gives us this temporary satisfaction. I'll never forget that one day growing up when I was much younger than today. For Christmas, all I wanted was a Johnny West action figure because he was the coolest looking cowboy. It wasn't a doll, it was an action figure. So cool, he had his own horse, he had, a, he had a rifle, he had spurs, he had a nice cowboy hat. I wanted the Johnny West action figures. The commercials were amazing. I wanted a Johnny West so badly. All I talked about, my mother, thankfully, finally gave me one for Christmas. So excited, I have what I want. I'm satisfied, I'm happy. I immediately called my friend up, tell my friend, hey, guess what I have? I have a Johnny West action figure. And he says, oh yeah, well my mom got me a Black Bart action figure. And I thought, wait, Black Bart, he's the bad guy, right? He's got, the, he's got a, a bag with dynamite in it. He's got the black hat and the black horse. That's so cool. I'm not satisfied anymore. I want Black Bart. I, 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 I was happy for a moment because I got something new, but now it's, I want this. Suddenly our, our, our wants just continue to increase Oh, things do not satisfy. Because even when I got Black Bart, there's always something more. There's always one more thing to get. Things don't satisfy. Went to a chiropractor recently. He reminded me that, listen, don't sit on your wallet. Because when you sit on your wallet, it actually puts your spine out of alignment. Of course, the fatter the wallet, the more pressure it puts on you. That's a metaphor right there. 
The, the, the more money you have, the more problems, the more difficulties you have. I love this quote. They said that money is a provider for everything but happiness. It is a passport to everywhere but heaven. Money won't bring you satisfaction. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And thirdly, we look, we look for security in money. We look for satisfaction in money. And lastly, we look for significance. We look for significance. Because maybe if I had more money, if I had a better salary, a better position, then maybe people would like me more. But then do people like you more because of your money and your position or because of who you are? Someone who's really rich, your boss perhaps, and, and he's making more money than you and he tells a joke, do you laugh because it's funny or do you laugh because he has more money than you? Listen, when I tell you, believe me, that money does not make you more significant. Money doesn't make you more interesting. It doesn't make you funny or it doesn't make you more beautiful as a person. It just doesn't. Michael Guido once said, just because people are better off doesn't mean they're better. Cadillac is no more precious than a believer on a bicycle. Money doesn't make the person, it doesn't matter. Having money doesn't make you significant. Our worth, our significance, our value comes from Jesus Christ alone. Look at that list, right? Security, uh, satisfaction, real security, true satisfaction, lasting significance only comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus is saying is that, is having money wrong? Is it bad? No. It's not. We look through the Bible and person after person was rich, right? Abraham had, you know, a lot of money, tremendous value. King Solomon was also very rich. Money can be good for certain things. It's just not good for those things. And that's the trap. And if you stop listening to me right now, you might think that Jesus was against storing treasures for yourself. But in fact, Jesus was all for it. He says, store up treasures. He, he commands us to seek treasure, but he wants us to, to save it and store it in the right place, not, not in the wrong place. Matthew 6, 20, 21. He says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Store it in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It matters where you store something. It matters where you place your value and what you invest in. In the excellent book, The Treasure Principle by Randy Elkhorn, he says that imagine that you're, you're living in the South, right, during the Civil War. You're a Northern spy and you've come down, you're living in the South. And while you're, while you're there, you, you've accumulated tons of Confederate money, right? You've you got millions of dollars of Confederate money. But you know, you realize the North is gonna win this war. And sometime soon, all this Confederate money that you have millions of dollars of is gonna have no value whatsoever. So what do you do? Well, a smart person, if you're smart, you immediately cash in all of your Confederate money for US money, right? You exchange it because you know that's the only money that's gonna have any value when the war is over. So you save just enough to, to provide for your needs while you're there but you convert all the rest of it to U.S. currency because afterwards it's gonna be meaningless. 
throw it away. You're not even going to take it with you. There's no value. I think it's very similar for us as Christians. We too are in a war between good and evil. And we have this earthly treasure, this earthly currency. And we should save enough, have enough to provide for our needs while we're here. But we should be converting the rest of it into heavenly currency, right? We're, because we're strangers in a strange land. This is, this is not our home. So how do we convert this earthly American currency, these dollars that we have into heavenly currency that has value? Jesus tells us later in the, in the gospel of Matthew that if you feed the least of these children, you feed someone, you, you give them even a cup of cold water in my name to someone who's thirsty, you will not lose your reward in heaven. He guarantees it, right? Like someone said, you can't take it with you, right? There's no U-Haul behind the hearse. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can bless the future generations. There are opportunities to do this every day, all throughout the year. In fact, the past, the past few months, even at this church, we have helped feed the needy by, by having several food giveaways and by distributing gift certificates to local restaurants. Uh, recently, we've, we've currently collecting supplies for Operation Christmas Child, blessing children with Christmas gifts all over the world. Kids who have nothing, showing them the love of Christ in a, in a tangible way. We're currently collecting boots and hats and scarves and mittens and coats for the Trinity Church uh, giveaway that's coming up soon. We've reached out to people with, with cards, with phone calls to connect them and encourage them to be in meaningful relationships with each other and with, with the Lord. This church that you're supporting, even by listening today, we are feeding the hungry. We're clothing the naked. We're, we're binding up the brokenhearted. Listen, there are so many ways you can get involved. But remember that these things are not charity. Let, let me repeat that. You're not giving to charity. Because if you believe that Jesus Christ, then these are investments that will pay off for all of eternity. In fact, Jesus said this. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's so true. Where your heart is, is where your treasure is going to be. For example, say you own a piece of, of Disney stock, right? You, you place some of your treasure in Disney stock. Your heart is going to be there. Your, your attention is going to be there. You're going to be focused on that stock and be watching the, the box office results to, to see how your stock is performing. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is also. We're in ministry with a new Harvest uh, Hispanic congregation in the city of Utica. I met with Pastor Antonio this week, and his heart is for the city of Utica, for the people that are there. He's wanting to start a music school to teach the love of music to children. And he's devoting his time and his energy and his talent and his effort because that's where his heart is. So that's where his treasure goes. Where your heart is, where your treasure goes, it, it leads naturally in that way. What have you invested your time and money into? I mean, have you ever thought, I wanna spend more time thinking about godly things. I, I wanna align my heart with the priorities of Jesus. Where your heart is, is where your treasure goes. So invest in the kingdom of God and we become focused on the things of God, which leads us right to question number two. 
that Jesus poses here on the Sermon on the Mount. We need to rethink what we seek. Reseek, rethink what I seek, what I'm, what I'm seeking, what I'm looking at, what I'm focused on. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, what's this about? I mean, does this have something to do with the, with the treasure trap? Does it have anything to do with money? Of course it does. Jesus is asking, what are you looking at? What are you focused on? Are you, are you looking for the things that are shiny and, and glimmering? That's what you'll be drawn to. You move toward whatever it is you're focused on. And so he's saying, what is the lamp of your body? What are your eyes looking at? What is your focus on? That's where your treasure's gonna go. I recently read that the average American watches more than 28 hours of television per week. Two months a year, nonstop television watching. Can you believe that? Over four hours every single day. That means over the course of a lifetime, tens of thousands of commercials, all telling you, you need to buy more stuff. So you need to have more money so you can buy more things. It's just this vicious circle of, of consumerism, materialism. We need more money because we need more stuff. What I'm saying, it's so easy for our eyes to go bad in this culture. We have to be very careful. Here, here's the recipe for dissatisfaction. Here, here it is. Dissatisfaction occurs when I shift my focus on what I have to what I don't have. In fact, the apostle Paul put it this way. He says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And they fall into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into destruction and ruin. People hurt themselves with greed. In fact, circle those words, ruin and destruction. They, they plunge these harmful, dangerous, foolish desires. Greed hurts people. Money can lead you down paths you never intended on going. Proverbs 119 says, greed kills selfish people. It does. In fact, Proverbs 23, four says this, don't wear yourselves out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit because in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. It'll sprout wings and fly away just like an eagle. Wow. Think about all those get rich quick schemes, right? Just scratch another lottery ticket. All these Ponzi scandals, all this heartache, all this pain. And Jesus is saying, listen, I love you so much. I want to keep you from all that pain. We put ourselves in situations. I read recently that Americans are now over $14 trillion in debt. <laughs> wow. $14 trillion in debt. That's a tremendous, enormous, ridiculous amount of debt. People are in service to their debts. Literally, they're, they're, they're servants to their debt. That leads us right to the final question that Jesus asked. I need to rethink who I serve. I need to rethink who I serve. What, what am I serving? Who's my master? One of those most haunting verses in the Bible, Jesus said, no one, no one, not, not a single person 
can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other, or they'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So true. But let's be honest, who, who are you serving, right? Who do you serve? For most of us, we would say that someone who's, who's taking risks to get high or, or get a buzz and they're in bondage to their addiction, right? But what about if you're working crazy hours, not just to pay the bills, but so you can buy more unnecessary stuff to try to make you happy? That person is in bondage to the possessions. You're paying off that car purchase and you're working like crazy to pay off because you owe for that new phone, you owe for that new computer, you know, for, we're in bondage. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with people possessing things. The wrong comes when those things begin to possess us. Who are you serving? Who are you taking orders from? Who's the real boss in your life? Well, Tennessee, Ernie Ford sang these lyrics. He said, you load 16 tons and what do you, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I sold my soul to the company store. Who owns your life? Really, that'll be the question we ask when we wake up in the morning, when we, when we go to bed at night. Who did I serve today? Who am I serving today? Jesus is saying you can't serve both God and money. You can't have two masters. You're gonna experience the same situation that, where you're torn between two equally compelling desires and purposes in life. You're gonna love one and, and hate the other, despise one and love the other. You can't serve both God and money. You have to pick. You can't serve both God and pleasure. You can't serve both God and fame. You can't serve both God and possessions. You end up hating one and loving the other. You can't serve two masters. And you and I are always gonna serve something. It's gonna be our work. It's gonna be our, our addictions, our toys, our tech, or the one true God. There will always be a central motivator in our life. And you have to ask yourself, what is that for me? Who am I serving? That passage of scripture where Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy it, reminds me of playing that game, great game of Monopoly. Because even if you win all the money, you know, in all the hotels on the board, you're still stuck in park place. It's still play money. If you win all the, the money on earth and you, you own all the biggest buildings and land on earth, you're still just on earth. It's still just play money. And at the end of the game, as John Orpook said, it all just goes back in the box. It doesn't last, it's just play money. Jesus is saying, except if you take the opportunity to convert that money into real heavenly treasures that last. Get on God's team and do the things that move God's heart. Hold on to things loosely and give to God's ministries joyfully and, and generously. So let me wind this thing up. How do you, how do you escape the treasure trap? Right? How, how do you escape from being lured and taken away by the trap of money? Two things here. First is gratitude. Gratitude. You got to be happy with what you already have. You got to really enjoy it. Happiness isn't a getting about whatever you want. Happiness is enjoying whatever it is that you have. You have an attitude of gratitude for everything that God has given to you, all of his blessings, 10,000 reasons to be happy. Gratitude, the second thing here is giving. When you give, you're just happier. By the way, that's verified by research. Money makes you happy when you give it away to others. 
It's truly more blessed to, to give than to receive. To joyfully give and serve other people in Christian love, it's, it makes you happy. It makes you content with what you already have, that you joyfully share what you have with others in their time of need. Because regardless of what your income level might be, if you give back, that's where you find fulfillment. It is in giving to others. The biggest danger in having money is not that, you, that it makes you unhappy, that it makes you unfulfilled. The biggest danger in having money is that you begin to forget about God. I have money. What do we need the Lord for? How tragic it would be for the person who has plenty to live on and nothing to live for. That's why we need to tithe first, give God the very first fruits. It recenters our priority on God, on the Lord. In fact, that's what Deuteronomy 12, 14, 23 tells us. It says the purpose of tithing, the reason I encourage people to tithe, here's why. Here's the purpose, is to teach you always to put God first in your life. That's the reason. It's, the, it's, it's, it's not your money. It's not money. The question is never, how much of my money am I going to give to God? The question is always, how much of God's money am I going to keep for myself? Because I don't own a stinking thing. It all belongs to God. Always remember to put God first. I know I'm out of time. Let me hit three more quick, I promise. Three more. Three, three simple rules for dealing with money. Uh, and these are gonna blow your mind because they're incredibly brilliant, right? Ready, here we go. Number one, spend less than you earn. Wow, probably never heard that before. Came with it myself. Spend less than you earn. Don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. Again, you're being content. Have gratitude. Spend less than you earn. Number two is this. Buy later. Save now, buy later. And boy, we don't like savings. Money burns a hole in our pockets. We get paid on Friday, we're broke by Saturday morning. The Bible says the, the wise have wealth and luxury. Fools spend whatever they get, burns a hole in their pocket. Save now, buy later. And because we don't do that, because we get ourselves in a situation, because we, we spend more than we earn, number three, and I wish they would have told me this when I was back in college, getting all these credit cards in the mail, we need to understand debt. We need to understand debt. Because just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender, we're in debt Jesus came and freed us from the bondage of sin and slavery, and we've got ourselves tied right back up again. We're in bondage. We're in servant to a bill. Collectors are calling us on the phone. Understand that. Spend less than you earn. It's not complicated stuff. It's so simple. Save now, buy later. Give to God first. Today, the rest of your, the rest of your life, may you truly examine and rethink where you store your money, what it is you're seeking and focused on, and who and what. And may you be thankful and generous with all that the Lord God has blessed you with. Let's pray together. Holy Father, there is nothing we have that you have not given us. All we have and all we are belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. To spend selfishly and to give without sacrifice, that's the way of the world. 
but generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord. So help us to increase in generosity until it can be said of us that there is no needy person among us. Help us to be so trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust us with true riches. And above all, help us to be generous because you, Father, are generous. May we show what you are like to all the world. Help us to rethink money. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us. I kept you a few minutes over, but man, I wish someone would have shared this with me when I was younger. I wish I would have listened. They probably did share me. I wasn't listening. We read these verses over and over in the Bible. We don't pay attention. This matters to the Lord. It should matter to us. I want to help you. Be blessed this week. <laughs> Rethink how you're doing, who you're serving, where you're storing, where you're, what you're seeking. 